0: Before we start this podcast, we would like to take the opportunity to mention that we now have a Patreon page where you can help to support, evolve and continue these compassionate conversations. Please visit patreon.com slash Voce Dialogues for more information. Listen! Welcome everyone to the Voce Dialogues, Voices of Compassionate Evolution. I'm Chloe Goodchild, founder of The Naked Voice, and this is our new online community where we are exploring, deepening and evolving our awareness of the transforming power of compassion. Enjoy these new dialogues with a wide range of artists, musicians, writers and philosophers, social entrepreneurs and sacred activists. They are all visionaries, transforming lives through the art of conscious creative expression with practices inspired by their own unique life experience. The Voce Dialogues are dedicated to the compassionate evolution of life on Earth. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another dialogue, the Voce Dialogues 2021, at this unprecedented time on Earth. And it's my great, great joy to be with Oriane Lee Johnston. Big hello to you, Oriane Lee.
1: Hello, Chloe.
0: (laughs) So... If you don't know Oriane Lee, you are in for Sasha, an incredible joyous ride because we've known each other since I don't know how long, for millennia, I would say, but certainly for the last 20, 25 years. And I just want to share with you a little bit about Oriane Lee. She's an absolute national treasure of Canada. Now that was not written in her bio, but I just want to say that. Oriane Lee is based on Cortez Island on the west coast of Canada. She's an educator, a writer and mentor, and her life work weaves strands of contemplative practice, healing with horses, wisdom of the tarot, and the art of spiritual guidance. And for the past 10 years, Oriane Lee has been exploring the spiritual ecosystem of Africa in Zimbabwe as program director for 16 years for Hollyhock, and that's where you and I met. So Hollyhock is Canada's leadership learning centre on Cortez Island, and it was actually thanks to Coleman Barks that I came here, and Oriane Lee was the first extraordinary person I met. And Oriane Lee produced Compassion in Action retreats for environmental and social justice activists. And Orian Lee has studied the tarot and the Kabbalah for many years and offers consultations for individuals, projects, and organizations in the form of tarot maps of guidance. So Orian Lee recently completed a book project, a memoir called The Geography of Belonging, a love story in Africa. Horses have taken Oriane Lee riding in the sacred mountains of Ecuador, swimming in the Indian Ocean, on safari into Okavango Delta of Botswana and the wilderness of Zimbabwe, and to the legendary wild herds of the Namia Valley in British Columbia's Chilcotin country. And most memorably, by donkey cart, to meditate in a monastery in the sangying Hills of Myanmar. And in 2019, you founded the White Horse Sanctuary on the premise that horses are a natural portal to wisdom and healing, helping us fulfill our humanity in a wholesome, congruent and compassionate way. Well, my goodness me, so much to share here and really just to thank you for bringing me to understand the power and the wisdom and the compassion of the horse through your own two very remarkable horse friends Uh, and that goes back a few few years now i remember the first time when you introduced me to the herd of horses where your horses were and you just said Something like walk out into the middle of the herd and then just let yourself be drawn to one particular horse. And I've never forgotten that. It was a profound experience and it's a kind of wordless experience at that point. I had no knowledge till that point of just how vast the heart of the horse is and that heart is very much mirrored by your own i would say that's my experience of you but i would love just to start out perhaps just by asking you what you understand compassion to be and how has it shown up in your life
1: mm. i place compassion chloe in the context of the Brahma-viharas in, in Buddhism, which are the four heavenly abodes of which compassion is one. Compassion, karuna, wise, caring, so to speak. Mm. I'll say some more about that in relation to my time in Africa. The others are metta, which is loving-kindness, which is unconditional friendliness. Mm. And then upeka is equanimity, or as my and my colleagues say, equineimity, which is to stand in the middle of everything with true composure. You're really good at that. And then mudita, which is uh, empathetic joy, it is regardless of how you're feeling, to be able to, to still experience the joy in this world, other persons or of some birds or just that pure quality of joy. So I've put a lot of attention to those Brahma Viharas, or I love to call them the heavenly abodes. And the horses really draw those out because their horses are a much bigger presence. And if we go to shift to the kind of logical mind, uh, the Institute of Heart Math in California has done some research studies, very specifically wiring people, wiring horses, measuring their responses and Being in the presence of horses brings the electromagnetic fields of the human brain and heart into coherence. And that's what feels so good. And the the electromagnetic energy of a horse's heart is five times vaster than that of a human heart. So when you think of self-regulation, if you're in the presence of a horse, we just come into that coherence and then for humans the electromagnetic field of the heart is 60 times vaster than the the energy field of the brain so this is about coherence and and resonance and you know we don't stop just with the horses and the humans but what about as i've experienced an elephant how big is the resonance of an elephant's heart and you know, your body starts to vibrate within, you know, as one's coming close. And then what about a baobab tree? What about a, an old growth cedar tree here on the coast and the earth herself? Anyway, we are earth. That's a, maybe another conversation or not.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is what I most love about you, is that you have, well, you have traveled places and you've made links between the worlds in ways where other people might fear to tread. You know that you've gone out into the wilds, riding out in Africa. So you really know the primal world of big nature, big, wild nature. And you're actually reminding me of when I was about 18, I think. I was in Tanzania, driving through Tanzania in the middle of a voluntary service out there we were just in this little VW van, myself and my friend, and I remember a giraffe walking in front of the car and almost thinking, I mean, it was as if it, it wasn't going to walk right over it. Or <laughs> was it... <laughs> It was like it was one of those moments. You say, know, and then that kind of that that sound, the growl in the in the early dawn and and dusk of of the lions and so on. So this primal energy that has really the the the, the horse, which is one of our, I suppose, our most longstanding animal friendships. Would you say human beings have been? in dialogue with horses for millennia in different different ways Hmm.
1: what you're saying just reminds me of a a piece out of the book which is when you're talking about this primal kind of resonance human animal earth we're all one and as i think of this passage it puts me in mind of what compassion practice brings us to Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I say, I got over myself, the one who defined herself by parameters of the familiar. And then in my love relationship, I found myself initiated, brought into the resonance of earth Africa through Hambani's body, through his body, Africa, earth body in mine. And I thanked him for that for bringing me into the earth of Africa through his body, a tree, a flower, a river, a horse. He listened as if this is normal, which it is in the geography of belonging.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. This understanding, has it always been with you? Or did it show up in your earlier life in some form did you come in like this or were there particular triggers in childhood and in your earlier days that brought you to this when when was your first encounter with horses and with the compassion of the animal world and the instinctual world and how that connected you with the whole of nature
1: well interesting i hadn't considered myself an animal person until late in life, in my early fifties, I came across horses. Mm. And I'll say before animals, I was born and lived my early life on the the west coast of Canada here. And although it was a a mill town, surrounded by nature. Mm. And so that was really formative, being surrounded by nature. Mm. You know, if there was a moment in adult life when something not clicked, something fell open, was on that first uh, horseback safari in the wilds of Zimbabwe in Wangi National Park. And we had to one day gallop away from some lions that we'd disturbed as we were observing them. And after that, it was as if I had been electrified because I was really afraid. But you just go with the courage. And then I could feel, you know, as my arm, I would move my arm and I could feel that it was, you know, thousands of miles away, affecting someone. And and that's interesting because I've never done any kind of drugs. Mm-hmm. So this was completely natural. Mm. So literally in your 50s. And and how did that happen? Well, I and my then husband had been on a trail ride. We were on a holiday in Ecuador. Mm. And oh, let's go horseback riding. I went for three days in a row and that was it. Something about the motion in the body Mm -hmm. and the hoofs on the ground
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: going up to the cloud forest and down to the beach. And I decided when I came back to Cortez, I was going to take riding lessons, not knowing that the one woman here, her approach was what's called natural horsemanship and starts with relating on the ground, as you did with Brio that day so long ago, yeah. and then bareback, tuning in, and eventually riding the trails here as kind of a map of learning. Mm. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what I'm, mm. what I'm hearing there is that you had four decades prior to that of practice in other dimensions and other forms of compassion and compassionate relationship, as in human relationships, personal relationships, but also your relationship with Buddhism and so on. And you were just mentioning to me about your visit to the Bhutan and so on. And so that was very developed within you prior to working with the horses and then integrating your understanding of compassion there, With this work, with with the horses, bringing the worlds together, collapsing the dimensions.
1: Well, it sounds beautiful the way that you put it, Chloe. Great.
0: (laughs) Well, that's my experience. I I remember the first time when, for example, when we went into the field and the horses were like, I mean, they were probably about a thousand feet away. They were quite a, you know, they were in the far distant end of the field. It wasn't like, right now we're going to work with the horses and let's get to the horses we stopped right there and you just said right we're going to meditate here and i just want you to really become fully embodied and we did this beautiful meditation just to become unified with the field with nature and with this awareness as you as you began with of how those horses over there would be already tuning in to our presence and the whole experience that unfolded from there, that really was transmitted through you and your relationship with these two remarkable beings that really brought my understanding of what it means to really embody compassion, not as a mental, highfalutin, disembodied reality, but as a fully present physical reality.
1: Well, remember when you started to sing...
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> well, that's when your world and my world really came together. It was just, it was so precious. Yeah, 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 that was very precious, wasn't it? And that I, that again it came from you. You said, well, why don't we sing the seven sounds of love? That journey through the chakras, and, and they loved it. Terrified I was for a moment when Raven was coming towards me and it was like, I just thought I was going to be mown down because there was such passion galloping in my direction. <laughs> <laughs> and then that extraordinary moment where he just literally just came and pressed his body against mine.
1: Right, the seven sounds of love. <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah, yeah. And just said, carry on. I mean, that, there was no, there were no words. There were no words at that point for something of that nature. You
1: know, I remember a few tears, Chloe.
0: Uh, there were definitely. It was, it was. It was. like the. It's like meeting the beloved on the road or something. It was just, mm. ah, yeah, very, very, very special, unforgettable, beyond words. Yeah. So silence mm. is such a essential part of your life. How is that now for you? How, what is your experience of of silence? How is it growing and evolving within you and within your life at this time, in this extraordinary time?
1: In this, what will soon be a year, time of the pandemic, mm. um, I have a friend, he actually produced the video on the White Horse Sanctuary website that gives that meditation that you were speaking about. And he called this time introvert heaven. Mm. And I have found that perhaps now because I'm living close to these two beautiful horses that I have been doing the compassion, the heart practices, the meditation practices Mm. every day. I was afraid of feeling lonely, isolated, you know, dark November in the northern hemisphere, especially not being in Zimbabwe over last winter nor this winter. That's the longest I haven't been in 10 years. Mm. And I feel personally just a, a kind of a a golden fullness of enjoying my own company. And and I sent you recently a video of a very contemporary music artist that I've just come across named D Sharp.
0: Ah, uh-huh. yeah. And yeah.
1: so that's led to, to uh, dance parties at home in the evening that are so much fun. <laughs> and I suspect there's a person who also lives from his heart.
0: Wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So as we all know, sacred isn't found just in chanting. It's found in the most... Gloriously funky contemporary music.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And you have an incredible selection, if I may say, uh, uh, repertoire of all of those things uh, of music. And and again, this must be just, just so profoundly impacted by your global travels.
1: Yes, I found that uh, Spotify has a stream of Mbira music, which just transports me back to Zimbabwe really easily. And it's like, oh, I know that musician and this one. And it occurred to me to say something about returning to the Brahma Viharas, the four heavenly abodes. I haven't read this somewhere else, but I've correlated them or they correlated themselves Mm -hmm. to the suits in the, the tarot cards, which also correspond to the four elements, which correspond to the archangels, all kinds of things that have those correspondences. The way I know the suits of the tarot has really helped me understand the loving kindness, the compassion, the equanimity, and joy. And if I may, I'll say a bit about that.
0: Oh, yes, please. That'd be incredible.
1: So the four suits in the tarot correspond to the, the physical, the mental or consciousness, the heart, the intuition, and then the spirit or energy or creativity. And so compassion to me, corresponds to the earth suit, the discs or the pentacles, which are about the human body, the earth body, about action, about the tangible world. So going back to when you and I put together those compassion in action, what I found from my time in Africa that wise caring is really important in order not to become just a bleeding heart. So discernment, when compassion comes about what If I can take some action and support something or offer something. And when I must simply bear the suffering that I'm witnessing. Mm. So that was a really very helpful discernment.
0: Mm.
1: And then the loving kindness, the meta, the unconditional friendliness would be the cups, the heart, the relationalness. So it's a way of relating heart to heart which is the element of water. And then equanimity is about consciousness, mind, the element of air, the suit of swords in the tarot, which is about a bigger perspective. So we don't get hooked and rocked by, for example, what's, you know, what's happening in the world today, of course, we mm-hmm. see it, feel it, but are not run by the chaos, or the, the distress, or the, the sense of Instability. The Dalai Lama is the embodiment of equanimity, or and with the horses, equanimity Mm. is simply being present, picking up the manure. I call it the manure meditation. Oh, I love that. Being around them really cultivates equanimity. Mm. And in the mudita, the joy is the suit of wands, spirit, energy, chi, life force, creativity. Hmm. And so that's been a very helpful kind of frame of reference. And at the same time, any frame of reference, I really hope to just not get stuck in that or with that, but to keep open to or resonant to what's beyond the human, really, you know.
0: I think that's what just blows my mind about you, that I've I've learned so much from you about just the flow, the interface, the essential kind of inter connection between structure and flow, form and flow, because I have very many memories of, for example, when we we would have been sitting in a retreat together, or we might have been sitting in a concert, uh, an open evening at Hollyhock. And I'm just always aware of the utter simplicity in presence. You have a kind of Zen-like presence that enables you to be so wild, I think. (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's what I love most about you and because that also it has to be the birthplace of compassion because it's it's able to go anywhere and just what you've just revealed that the the template of how you work with the tarot as informed by the Biharas is just unbelievable I've never I've never heard that before, and as of I've experienced with you in a session, in a tarot session. It is like a spontaneous flow, like we're just having this conversation, but so much wisdom and understanding is just pouring forth from your awareness of the landscape of the persona in front of you or of, of the presence of whoever you're working with. And my sense is that's because you have this capacity to simply be with another to be with another's storyline, to, to be with their suffering without being rocked around and thrown around by it. I mean, my, my sense is that you've lived a well-chosen life so far, I would say.
1: Well, it occurs to me now that, well, I've thought this for a long time, that the tarot maps are very similar to the voice lines that you do in two ways. One in this pandemic time Hmm. especially recently when everything's so uncertain and it's very hard to look into a future because it's it's unrolling there is no where we're going it's unrolling through us and through Hmm. the earth i have a a friend in zimbabwe who we have a whatsapp conversation The simplest thing she said, Mother Earth is highly organizing herself. And she started WhatsApping me these messages a year ago, November. Mm -hmm. And so what you and I both experience in working with people individually is how amazing people are and all that is falling away and what it is are people's gifts and what they feel called to do. Now Mm -hmm. is the time. And they are coming forward. And it's so completely inspiring and very affirming to the recipient. It's like, yeah, this is your true life. And what you and I both experience as we work individually with people is we have our finger on the pulse of the collective Mm -hmm. and through the shifts in, in culture, in consciousness over periods of time, And that's so valuable to me. And that would be, you know, that's like the swords, the bigger perspective. Mm -hmm. And I would love to ask you the question, what are you noticing as you track the collective?
0: Mm, Thank you for the question, because I was just in a conversation yesterday with a group of people who have been very involved also in Africa and in what's going on in Africa And I was so heartened and inspired to be present to this conversation where several people in the group have been very involved, for example, in indigenous communities, in communities that are still connected with their pre-colonial origins, with their origins which are still everything we've been speaking about, connected with the holism of the land, of nature, of horses of animals of indigenous wisdom and uh one person particularly just really highlighting with immense enthusiasm and depth he just suddenly said africa is awake <laughs> 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 I thought, oh my that is fantastic you know it's like do not be fooled, you know, do not be fooled that the more recent history of colonialism, which which has been so apparently self-important for a sector of society and has had its own strengths but a lot of devastating impact on the humanity's relationship with, with nature and with the balance of nature and with the beauty of nature and so on. There was just this sense of wow humanity is waking up we are having to wake up and at the same time I also just recently heard this incredible conversation between Margaret Wheatley the incredible sort of social activist who for whom Pema Chodron and Chogyam Trungpa are her main spiritual teachers and she was speaking more practically pragmatically and just really saying yes and we need to be way more awake than we are don't let's fool ourselves that we are close enough to being as awake as we need to be to really meet what these times are facing us with so i <laughs> I feel as if in the last few days even I've been in these incredible conversations with people who are very connected with life at an indigenous level, as well as people who have dedicated their whole lives to service in conscious activism. And there, many of them are saying, yes, and as you are saying, as you are sharing with us, come back to the practice, come back to the simplicity of your own spiritual practice and let yourself be a receiver of that revelation and if you can be that, there's a chance for evolution, there's a chance that we can open the doors of our perception to frequencies of life and of living and expression that are calling us. I do have a sense of being called to a broader, a higher, deeper, broader awareness of that field that you have been speaking about so eloquently, you know, the field that exists. You started with the heart and then how it is 60 times more powerful than the brain and then we're in the field with your horses and we're aware of the coherence of the heart there. And as as you've been touching on throughout our dialogue this awareness of the heart in every aspect, every dimension of nature. Another friend of mine yesterday was just responsible for burying the placenta of her grandchild who'd just been born and burying it in a particular place on her land and how this particular ceremony that she was invited to enact was related to the wisdom of a particular tree everything you've been saying is sort of echoing experiences I've been having even just in this past week with many people who are very dear friends and new friends thanks to the internet we are able to communicate in this way
1: let me say Chloe beautiful returning to the simplicity of the practice as you said and trusting the resonance of that. Mm. And perhaps I'll I'll share a practice I've been doing mm. uh, every day with the horses.
0: Oh, great.
1: And there's a, a, a physical motion that goes with it. Do you know the Sufi zikr where you circle your head yes. out to the heart and lift out of the heart? Yes. And this has been very helpful for me, I think, in these rocking and rolling months mm-hmm. like this dropping drama and distraction, resting in the deep heart, abiding in the luminous space of equanimity and all possibilities. We are earth, home. And that's a riff on something
0: I learned from Atumo so beautiful thank you so much thank you so much well I think all I can suggest is that we just continue these virtue dialogues (laughs) there's so much more to share that we we haven't touched on but this is a wonderful opening and and it's such a privilege and to celebrate with you at the beginning of this new year at this wildest of times and I just send you my love and gratitude
1: beautiful always a pleasure to be with you chloe thank you for this conversation
0: thank you dear Lee. thank you